0: Welcome to Originality, the podcast where we explore the roots of creative genius. I am one of your hosts, Aline Sims, and as always, I am joined by the talented
1: Kay Tempest Bradford.
0: Meaning to make my list of adjectives for you so that I'm not repeating myself because I'm sure it can go on for a really long time but I keep forgetting to do it. We
1: could always add lugubrious to the list. I don't even know what that word means. I was just
0: gonna ask (laughs) what does
1: that mean? That's I've heard my before. It sounds like a really cool word though lugubrious.
0: You know I hear words with goo in it though and I'm like "Mm." I mean it could go either way. Goo. Okay, so today it is just a Tempest and Aline episode. We don't we don't have a, a guest talking. And uh, Tempest, you wanna it, your wonderful topic idea, you wanna talk about it a little bit?
1: Sure. I want this week for the two of us to talk about the role of practice in creative genius. This has come up for me several times recently uh, in a lot of different contexts number one in my context as a writing teacher. Um, I teach classes on how to write the other mostly, although I have also taught some general fiction workshops. And every time we give a class, there's always one or two students or even more who say, oh, I'm just not really that good at description. Oh, I'm not really good at dialogue. Um, I'm no good at describing people, for instance, Uh, things like that. And I say to them, you should practice it. And then I've been listening to the Freakonomics podcast for a very long time. And one of the groups of episodes that I've been listening to again recently talks about um, grit and the the 10,000 hour rule and other things of that nature, just talking about how you become a genius, how you get better at being a creative genius. And so that all sort of came together in my head. And I said, we should do an episode about this.
0: It's kind of great that it's coming up when it's coming up because already we're getting questions. So as we're recording this, it's the beginning of May still, and this isn't going to air until, I don't know, sometime in June or maybe even early July. We're recording way in advance, but we do have a a members only, only, but we do have a relay members only preview episode. Uh, So if you're not a relay member, you you could become one and go listen to that, by the way. Um, But so we have relay FM members who have been listening and they're tweeting at us already, asking us, well, how do I get to be more creative? And and it comes back, back to practice to me. Like I keep thinking about you show up and you do the thing whether you do well or not. You just sit down and you do it. And that's how you learn how to get better.
1: Yeah. And what's interesting though is that in almost every creative discipline that isn't writing, practice is always part like part and parcel of the learning to do the thing and the becoming better at doing the thing. I was a music student. I learned how to play the clarinet. I also sang. I also learned how to play the piano badly. Um I did it just to get my grade because I wasn't really interested in piano, but I did love playing the clarinet. And when I was learning to play the clarinet, what was I doing all the time? I was doing scales a lot, practicing the same simple songs over and over and over again. When it came time to, you know, do the songs that we would be performing eventually, either as a solo or with a band or an orchestra, I practiced my part in those like over and over and over and over again. And and so that once we got to the actual performance, I would be ready. I could hit all of my notes and go forward. It's the same with singing. I spent a lot of time. Doing you know, exercises not just singing the pieces that I would eventually sing in concert or or in uh, solo, but also just doing runs, um, doing very specific things to to work my voice, to to understand like the placement of voice for the best effect, things like that. And it's true for dance. It's true for visual art, drawing how many times do, do artists spend like just sitting there drawing sketches of things or painting the same landscape over and over again until they have created something that then can go on to be sold? Every other art, there's always this basis of practice. Writing, though, there is not a basis of practice. And then also one of the reasons why I want to talk to Aline about this is because thinking outside of like what we consider to be the traditional arts, which is, you know, writing and music and and dance and and painting. But when you're talking about digital arts, you know, UX design, Mm -hmm. how much emphasis is there on just saying you need to just go out and like do that a bunch of times? I, I actually don't know.
0: Yeah. So first I have a question for you. Why do you think it is that we do not emphasize practicing writing in school. I mean, writing is part of school, but it's not like, okay, we're going to sit down and practice practice composition today, right? It's, we're going to do an assignment. Um, And then when it comes to actually being a professional writer, I think that there's very much this kind of stereotype that, writers just sit down and they spit out words and it's perfect and then they go on and that's not at all true but why do you why do you think that is do
1: you have any theories I don't have any real concrete theories onto the why of it happening I know that in general what you do tend to come across in writing is people saying well you have to write a million words of Before you can write like something great or whatever, like that, that'll be a popular one that you'll see in a meme attributed to somebody famous or whatnot. But they don't talk about, like, well, what, what is, how are you writing? Like, where is this million words of sh- coming from? And a lot of times, writers, especially newer writers, young writers, they think that what that means is that. They're going to write some short stories, or they're going to write their novel, but they're going to have to set it aside because it's shit, because they haven't reached their million words yet. But the thing is, you can write if you believe in this, you know, particular philosophy. You can write your million words of shit by doing writing exercises. Um, but there's, you know, I don't know. There's like this mindset that comes um, with certain writing communities where they're like, how many words did you write today? Mm -hmm. And writers who like post their word count on Twitter, 2,000 words today, 1,015 words today. I am amazing. Look at all the words I wrote. There's even what I consider actually a really great post on the blog of the science fiction fantasy Writers of America, Sifwa.org. There's a blog post there um, about, written by an author who's like, here's how I now regularly write 10,000 words a day. And a lot of people were like, 10,000 words a day is too many words. What is wrong with you? That's crap. And I personally do not think that I could or would want to be the type of person who writes 10,000 words in Mm -hmm. a day. But that wasn't the point of the post. The point of the post was like working through the steps so that you could get your, you know, maximum word count out of, you know, your process. That's what that post was about. But that 10,000 words that's in the title, a lot of people focus on it because like, yeah, there's just like so much focus on like how much word count are you getting out of, you know, what you did today? The problem being that word count doesn't necessarily translate to publishable words. And when writers get caught up in just like saying, oh, I did this amount of word count today, like you know, because they read Stephen King's about writing, and he was like, I wrote, you know, I, I don't leave my desk until I've written, like, I can't remember how many it's writes, 2,000 words 2, a day. 2,000, like, I don't, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I don't leave my desk until I've written 2,000 words. Like, well, bully for you, sir. However, <laughs> maybe not everybody <laughs> needs to get to 2,000 words in a day, but also, just because you wrote 2,000 words does not mean that you wrote 2,000 publishable words. Um, author Ellen Kushner said this really great thing about how she's suspicious of authors who you know, post their word count online as if, like, that means something by itself. Because she's like, the words that you put on the page, like, that's not, you know, the the end product. That's not the cake. Or, you know, that's dough that needs to be mixed. You know, it needs to be molded. It needs to, to be pounded. And then, you know, add the rest of the ingredients and then <laughs> Thrown <baked."> away. And- <laughs> well... <laughs> Well, my goodness. Let's hope you don't throw all under the way. But like, but you know, it's it's not that like the words that you write are necessarily like the words. Right. They are just you taking the first step towards getting that ultimate expression, and that's what's important. So, so yeah, I I feel like for what I don't know what all the reasons. There's probably like multiple cultural reasons why there's like all this focus on word count, but not necessarily practice. Um, but so my my goal is to get people to realize that like practice in writing, first of all, to get them out of the mindset that, like, if they write some words in practice, then, but if they don't write those words in their work in progress, they haven't failed that day. Like, that's a huge mental barrier to get them over. And also that, you know, if you want to be a great writer, but you're like, well, I'm really bad at description. Well, Sunny Jim, let's get over here and let's learn how to write some description. So I'm going to tell you a secret. Don't tell anybody. I'm listening.
0: So part of the reason why I have never really attempted writing fiction is because I don't feel like I'm good at dialogue. And instead of doing what you say, also naming things. I hate naming things. Naming people, well, naming yeah, characters. Naming things oh, is hard. Oh, I want to cry. Um, but... I feel like I'm not good at dialogue. And while intellectually I understand what you're saying, like write the bad dialogue and keep writing bad dialogue and eventually it'll become okay dialogue and eventually it'll become hopefully (laughs) good dialogue. Show up, do the work, practice. Uh, Instead, I'm just like, I need a book that tells me exactly how to write dialogue.
1: Yeah, I think that that is also pretty common where people are like, well, I mean, I don't know how to do this, so I just need to go out and find that book that's going to tell me how to do that thing. And there are many a book out there that are very specific. They're like, here's how you write blah. Here's how you do this. And some of them actually can be, you know, incredibly useful. Some of them may not be so useful. I, You know, it's it's not necessarily the subject matter. It's going to depend on like the person who writes it. Yeah. But, you know, as with anything, sometimes working things in isolation uh, can be really good. I I'm fairly sure that the reason why my dialogue is, you know, pretty set and and pretty well praised by most people who like who read it and comment on it is because I spent a lot of years as a teenager uh, doing freeform role playing on AOL. Oh, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like so many years. And it, and it's not like the same kind of like tabletop role playing because We weren't at a table, for one thing. We were all just basically in chat rooms on AOL. We created characters, and then we sent those characters into the chat rooms, and those characters had to interact with other people. And it was all just a lot of talking. Like, there were some you know, like action descriptions or whatever, but the majority of our interactions with each other were via talking. And so, and I had multiple characters. And so I had to figure out how, you know, this character t- spoke and that character spoke. And they all, you know, they, they all were pretty similar, but but they did have some distinctive things about them. So once I started trying to write fiction in earnest I found that I was able to have characters talking all day they could talk whoo there's so much talking what were they doing who the heck knows where were they in a white room off in the distance somewhere like it was actually a problem that I was like I'm never going to be able to smelt this but I had dialogue down it's all because of AOL I love
0: that you, so you practiced early basically
1: yeah yeah without even knowing that's what I was doing
0: <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, we've been talking about writing, but Tempest, as you said, this applies to all sorts of things. And I think even, again, I'm going to hearken back to episode zero, the the members only episode. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to like taunt anybody, but one of the things we did, we talked with Yasmin Evian, who is a UX designer. She currently works at Google and, uh, she didn't at the time, but she does now. And, and one of the things that I remember her talking about was trying different things and seeing how they worked. And that's a form of practice, right? You you go through an interface, you set it in front of people, you're like, okay, try to do this thing, you test it, and then you go back again. But I feel like those early stages, you're practicing. And then again, as you do user experiences and work on user interfaces and user interactions more and more you know, you're going to iterate, you're going to get better, and you're going to know what to do more quickly. But nobody walks out of whatever, a, a UX expert, and then does user interaction, user experience, user interface design perfectly all the time. That's why, like, usability testing exists.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, with, with anything getting feedback is very useful. And I guess maybe that's part of it is that writers often, you know, they'll write a short story, they'll write a novel, then they'll send it for feedback and then they get that feedback and then they have to go and revise. And there's like a sort of process of revision and and feedback and revision and feedback. And, you know, clearly once you're talking about something like UX design or or even web design, um, that feedback doing a thing, tweaking it loop is a little bit faster than you get with writers. Uh, Us poor writers, like we spend months, months doing a thing and then we give it to somebody, they read it in five minutes. They're like, this is crap. And they throw it out of a window and you cry. (laughs) (laughs) It's no fun. Um, So yeah, but having that, that feedback loop is very important because, like, sometimes you have to be in the room by yourself just, like, working on things. But sometimes you do have to, like, open the door. This, I'm using more Stephen King metaphors from, about writing. No, but um, no. sometimes you have to open the door and say, like, look at this and please, like tell me tell me what you see um and so that you can then work to to make it better and then hopefully like the people who are looking at it are are folks who either like are a little bit more advanced than you or a lot more advanced than you if you're very lucky um or at least people who can look at things from a different perspective so so in that sense there is some practice that that is built into writing but then you have a lot of writers who are like what i have to i have to revise things what <laughs> It's perfect. It didn't drop from my my fingertips, golden and perfect. I don't, how dare you? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, well, I think that's a problem with a lot of people. I used to work, I have, <clears throat> I don't know if I should tell the story, but I'm going to. So I worked at a company, um, I've worked at many companies, but I worked at a company with a bunch of developers. I was kind of like the IT coordinator and there was one developer there who was people would come to him his users would come to him it was in-house software so it stuff that we were using within the company and so it was all in the same building it wasn't like a huge company and people would come to him and say hey bob uh this thing isn't working very well and he would no joke he would look at them and say well it can't be what i wrote because i don't write bugs and <laughs> this was years ago now years ago and i still Think about that. It's still and he wasn't a good developer.
1: <laughs> he was not a I good feel developer. Like, I feel like Bob and I would not get along. Cause I would have been like, the hell you say. Yeah. And and then there would have been a problem. But but yeah, there's there there are plenty of people like that. You know, the people who they don't want to listen to feedback and they want to be like, but everything that I do is perfect. I don't know what your problem is. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah.
0: So one thing, uh, my friend Shahid, who is a a fellow podcaster on Relay and also like a a video game designer, um, we were talking at some point a couple of months ago, maybe more than a couple of months ago, and he was talking about how he sits down and writes three pages every morning. Um, And the idea was taken from uh, Julia Cameron, who wrote, I think, The Artist's Way... I want to say, yeah, many years ago. And he does this. He's not a writer, but he sits down first thing before he looks at his phone, before he eats breakfast, whatever. He sits down and writes three pages by hand every morning. And he's not a writer. (laughs) And I'm like,
1: oh, I should do that. I really should do that. That's basically the, the foundation of The Artist Way's sort of philosophy is doing the morning pages. It's what it's called. And it's supposed to be for anybody who does any, anything creative. It's not just for writers. And part of the point of it is, from what I understand, is so that because your head is full of stuff, <laughs> your head is just full of stuff, and sometimes you don't want to get the stuff out of your head. Sometimes the stuff has a hard time getting out of your head. Sometimes you need to clear it out of your head so you can think about other things, whatever it is doing the morning pages and, and doing the thing where you just like start automatically writing the whole idea is like to just start writing something and then just keep going and don't stop until you've reached the end of those three pages and whatever it is that comes out of your head at that time, like it's fine. It's, it's not for anybody, but for you. And I think that that is, is also you know very much at the foundation of what i think about when i think about you know getting people to to practice certain skills like one of those skills is just writing until you reach like you know the end of three pages like that's hard enough like there are some people who do like who can't do that
0: yeah for sure i think the important thing really is showing up and um again, I I think about people who are professional artists in some way. So I know, I know people who, you know, 15 minutes, I'm going to do a 15 minute sketch every day. And they do a 15 minute sketch every day. And of course it looks amazing because they're professional artists, but, you know, (laughs) but they sit down and they do it and they're like, this is awful. And I'm like, whatever, uh, or writers, you know, or any creative person writing three pages and just doing a brain dump. Um, but even developers, you know, I know a lot of developers who are like, I'm working on this, this quick project this weekend and it's going to be done in a day and it's going to be great. And I love that because those little contained projects, uh, I think, are a great way to practice, right? And if you're like, I'm going to sit down for 15 minutes today and do this thing and you actually sit down and do that thing for 15 minutes you're already improving. It doesn't matter what that is. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's thinking through a user interaction, or if it's drawing, or writing, or or tinkering around with a, a function in your code. Well, I mean, it might matter if it's a function in your
1: code. You might really mess things up. Well, I mean, up, but... I don't know. You might. You gotta you gotta save a version of that. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. <laughs> do. Yeah, I agree. Just you, you know, taking. Taking 15 minutes, 10 minutes, you know, it's not a huge chunk of time and it's also not meant to be a thing that you necessarily have to show anybody. I think that's the other part of practice is that you really have to work at it keeping that door closed, like just keeping saying, you know, whatever happens, I'm the only one who's going to see this. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm like not good or if I write like ter- use terrible words, because <laughs> that's the other thing. Sometimes you, you sit there and you're like trying to think of like the greatest word ever. Sometimes it's OK yes. to just use terrible, sad, simple words because you're you're doing, you know, an exercise or whatnot. Or you you're trying to do something with your code and you just, you know, work on making like this one aspect of it work, even though like other little dinky parts of it aren't working, like making that one aspect work and getting that one thing right. That's really important is just to take like short amounts of time to do it.
0: I'm reminded of uh, Shannon Hale, who again is a writer and, uh, she on Twitter, I don't even remember when a while back said, "I'm writing a first draft and reminding myself that I'm simply shoveling sand into a box so that later I can build castles. And I've been thinking about that quote about that tweet a lot through this conversation is is by practicing, by sitting down, by showing up, you are just shoveling sand into a box someday, but you are shoveling bo- shoveling box. <laughs> but you are shoveling that sand for a purpose and it is building maybe maybe not exactly as quickly or as linearly as you would like but you are still i don't know what's another analogy building equity you know you're still making progress and it's so so important and i think in a lot of ways it's kind of important to sit down and do the thing without a huge goal in mind right like sitting down and writing Let's say five hundred words, two hundred words. Writing two hundred words a day, just to write two hundred words a day, without it being part of a project, I think can be really fulfilling and really instructive, right? You're gonna learn as you do that.
1: Yeah, you. No matter what, like writing is gonna teach you writing, and even if that writing is not writing that's meant to see the light of day, it's going to teach you writing, just like reading teaches you writing. You got to keep reading as well. That's, but that's a different episode. (laughs) Um, And it's, I mean, I can't emphasize enough, like a lot of it is so much about not putting too much pressure on yourself or, or also not feeling bad that you're not moving forward on the thing that you're supposed to be writing, like that that novel that you're working on or that short, that short story that you're going to complete. One of the other links that I give my students is to a piece by Daniel Jose Older. He's an author and he talks about the adage, the write everyday adage and how, you know, you'll get that from, you know, writing teachers. Again, it'll be an, in a meme with some, you know, Famous author's name attributed to it is like, oh, if you want to be a writer, you got to write every day. And if you don't write every day, man, you can't be a real writer. La, la, la. Terrible. Um, And of course, not everybody can write every day. Not everybody has the time, the space, the mental space or wherewithal. Um, There, you know, people have jobs, people have kids or spouses or parents. You know, even if you do most of the time have space to sit down and and do your 2000 words a day, not every day, like, you know, something will happen. You're like, crap, I have to deal with this other stuff. And so a lot of times authors also get like really hung up on that. They're like, oh, I didn't write every day. I'm never going to be a real author because I didn't, you know, take the time to write every day. And you'll and like, uh, I just I have so much annoyance toward Writers who are like, look, you know, if such and so can write every day, la la, then you can. You don't have any excuses. You know what? That guy, he had cancer and he wrote every day. It's like, "Mm." yeah, there's there's other stuff that goes on with that. So but what I say also is that I also take to heart what author Samuel Delaney says is that writing is an addiction, but it's an addiction that's easily kicked. And so um. I mean, you know, you're just like, yeah. I love this. It's great. I, yeah. And then one day you don't do it. And you're like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. F that. Yeah. Um, so, so in order to sort of like keep up the addiction, again, do a writing exercise. And if you can take 10 minutes to do a writing exercise, take 10 minutes if you take five minutes to do that writing exercise, take five. It doesn't even have to be any good. Like you don't have to sit and get into like, do your writing ritual and get into the space and like put yourself like, no, it could be like, okay, I'm in this line. I'm going to like look up the, you know, the list of writing exercises. I'm going to do this on my phone really quickly. What if the writing exercise is just wherever you are, look around and describe this room that you're in from the point of view of one of the characters in your novel, like whatever it is. If you can manage to do that most days, and again, I'm not even going to say you got to do it every day because I'm not going to tell you you got to do anything. But if you can manage to do that most days, even if most days you can't take out a huge chunk of time to sit and work on your work in progress, that's it's it's more practice it's keeping up your addiction to writing, <laughs> the good addiction, um, and and it all feeds into making you a better writer. The more writing you do, the the better writer you are. It doesn't always have to be something that goes in the novel.
0: And also, from my perspective, coming from the tech industry where I work and and live and breathe, it seems like some days it's not healthy to do something. Every day, it's not healthy to to put that pressure on you yourself. Sometimes you have to step back. Now, there are definitely, and specifically talking about writers, there are definitely writers who thrive writing every day, and I don't want to say that they're unhealthy. But if you're putting this pressure on yourself and you're feeling bad because you're not you're not showing up literally every single day for whatever it is you're doing, whether it's writing or or doing code or drawing, or whatever whatever your creative pursuit is, learning the guitar. I don't care. If you're putting that pressure on yourself and you're feeling bad all the time, you got to stop, right? And I come from an industry, again, coming from tech, where people don't take breaks and people work themselves into the ground and get burned out and do you know, have have crises and and whatever, whatever that looks like for them, you know, bad things happen when you when you push yourself too much. So 15 minutes a day, probably not going to do it. But if you're guilting yourself a lot, you can cause yourself a lot of stress and anxiety for not showing up for 15 minutes a day. And it's not worth it. But you do have to show up. If it's something you want to do, you do have to put in some work
1: yeah otherwise you're not going to move forward
0: okay we're going to step back for just a second i know you've heard me mention already like two or three times that there is relay fm membership available and believe it or not i'm going to tell you a little bit more about it now basically becoming a relay fm member i feel like i'm in a pbs member drive <laughs> becoming a relay fm member gets you perks um in addition to supporting your your favorite podcasters Uh, not to be presumptuous um you also get perks like uh, access to members only shows uh in the month of august we every show does like a special bonus episode there are also uh members-only episodes that drop once a month for for people interviewing uh, hosts on the show. There's a behind-the-scenes newsletter that goes out, and you also get 15% off everything in the merch store. So right now there are T-shirts and stickers there that you can get, and it also really helps the the people putting on podcasts for you so your hosts get the money for, from that uh, minus some really reasonable uh, transaction fees. So if you want to support Tempest and me in doing originality, You can go to relay.fm slash membership and choose originality from the list. But Relay has a lot of amazing shows. So what I'd really encourage you to do is go to relay.fm slash membership and support all the great shows. And then each of us gets a little bit of help financially. Thank you so much for your consideration. Now back to the show.
1: You know, the basis of genius, whether it's creative genius or or actual genius, is not even just like, oh, they have innate talent. Oh, they have a brain that can do these things. Like, yeah, some of that is it, but also some of it is that that you actually tried, that you actually worked to expand what it is that you can do. You know, somebody doesn't become really amazing at design or really amazing at coding cleanly or really amazing at writing a description or writing dialogue without actually doing something to work at it without actually sitting down and saying like I'm just going to describe some some stuff today and whether or not it actually goes into the work in progress it doesn't matter because you're you're like working those muscles so
0: so let me ask you um have you always because you have this background in creativity you know you've got this music degree right you you have played a lot of instruments. You're a singer, you're a writer. There are all of these things that you have done that have required practice. Have you always been as aware of the value of, of practice in writing specifically, or is that something that came to you over time?
1: It came to me over time. And again, it's because nobody who was teaching me writing or mentoring me in writing or anything ever was like, you need to practice. Here's some writing exercises. I mean, I remember there being writing exercises that I could do. And in my fuzzy memory, they all came to me from some sort of classroom setting. But no one ever was like, what you really need to do is you need to sit down and you need to write a character sketch every day in order to understand your characters. When I first started out writing. Um, so it's something that's come to me over time. It's something that sort of crystallized for me once I began teaching, because yeah, I would get students who would say, well, I'm not really good at description. Um, I, I don't really know how to describe people. I'm like, well, that's why we're doing this so that you can describe the people. And they're like, oh, but I'm bad at it. I'm like, that's why we're doing this. (laughs) So you can, so you can get better at it. And and this is not to say like I'm I'm being very silly, but I take it very seriously when my students say these things to me, because then that makes me really worry that there are a whole bunch of other writers out there who are also suffering from this problem. But they're not in classes, you know, trying to be better about describing people, you know, yeah. um, and and it comes up. the describing people thing comes up very specifically in writing the other because we ask our students to like look at groups of you know photographs of people and we're like okay pick some people and describe them and then we talk about what isn't in those descriptions what is in those descriptions like what we see that's missing it's usually always the same thing um and also their choices because all the pictures that we have are pictures of people who are somehow outside of the, the dominant idea of, you know, people. So they're not all white, cisgender, heterosexual males between the ages of 18 and 35, right? You know, they're women, there are people of color, there's older folks, like, you know, they're all over the place. Um, and the majority of the students are pretty comfortable describing women, describing older folks. But once you start getting into, are they people of color? That woman, that one woman is wearing a hijab. Is it even called a hijab? I don't know. Um, yeah, they, that's when they start to flounder. And that's when they start to realize that they don't even actually describe their characters ever. They don't, they don't feel comfortable describing a character who's not white because they're like well, what word do I use like if I say that they're black but what does that mean and like will everybody know what I mean and I don't want to use food metaphors because you just told me that's not the thing to do or mahogany right no mahogany so um so we give them tools for that like that's the whole point of that section of the class is you know to talk about describing people and how there are some strategies for doing it well and whatnot. And once we have them do the exercise the second time, they feel a lot better about it. But yeah, like that always comes up and it always makes me go, how many people are out there who are just not describing people or they don't know how to do it or or whatever. And I I want to be like, it's okay to practice. It's okay to to work on that. Yeah.
0: You know, I, I have a theory and part of this um has been... So, I am a technical writer. And for people who may may not be aware of what that is, it, it basically means that i I walk people through how to do things. And specifically, I've been a technical writer in the software industry for many years now. And so it's basically like, here's how you use the software step by step. Here's how how you do the thing. Here's how you accomplish the goal that you want to have. And uh, it's hard. it is it is hard to, write in a way that is accessible to people because the average reading level in the US is the 8th grade. Um so you know you're you're dealing with a huge cross section of people especially if you're working on popular software which I have like millions and millions of users, right? huge swaths of people. So you have to write things in an understandable way, in a friendly way, in a not scary way, in a not intimidating way, in a way that they'll be able to follow through step by step. So not making things too complex, but also not making things too simple. It's, it's complicated and there's, there's an artistry to it. And I have people who are like, well, anyone can write so we can write instructions. And yes, that is true, kind of, depending
1: (laughs) But I, I don't know about that. I don't that. know I've about read that. Some but, terrible dis- instructions in my time. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and that's the thing is I think that a lot of it and a lot of what we're seeing and a lot of what we experience as people who um, are are writers and who mentor writers, right? Because I've had I've been an editor for people, you know, and and helped them, you know, do better. I think that a lot of it is that we are taught. Ostensibly, we are taught how to write in school. But the thing is, we're not taught how to write well in school. We're taught how to test nope. well in school. And and under, it, it's just completely different applying those things that we learn in school to what we're writing. And furthermore, if everybody could write, we wouldn't see your and your mixed up all the time. And they're there and they're mixed up all the yeah. time. Like not, yeah. you know... It it just it it takes practice and there there it is there is an artistry to it and you can get better. I really believe you know, not everybody is going to write as well as my favorite authors. you're you're just I'm sorry Nori Jemison is the best writer of all time ever. I'm sorry. You're probably not gonna write as well as she is. But um but you can write better and you can write well. I firmly believe that everybody can learn how to write well. They just have to
1: do it. I agree. I agree. Well, so if somebody wanted to to practice in in your field, where would they be able to get practice?
0: That is a really, really good question. So I actually have... A degree in technical writing, and I don't know where to steer people. Uh, I I would say the thing thing to do is to, this is going to sound really weird, but if you really want to be a technical writer, the thing to do is to read a lot of user guides, and whether that's software or your toaster or your, your car's user manual or your bicycle's manual or whatever, read that and observe what you see. And then try it, you know, sit down, sit down with a toaster and tell people how to use it. Tell, sit down and write down the instructions for, like in the fourth grade, we did uh, how to, how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Sit down and write how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and then test it and see if, if people can do it. What I would, what I would say the top things are remember that you need to keep your language pretty simple. The rule of thumb is sentences should be no longer than eight words. I break that a lot. If you know your audience, then, you know, you can do more robust, longer words, longer sentences, but you should still keep it fairly short. And... Uh, you know try it and see what happens. Oh and and you're not there to have fun, you're there to teach people how to do a thing. So those are those are my tips, but what? really it's just a matter of I'm sitting down and trying fun. it. So the thing to remember about technical writing and I've been in arguments with coworkers about this in the past is that usually especially in software if someone is reading what you've written they're usually mad. So you need to be clear and concise and tell them what they need to know probably to fix a problem because people don't sit down and read user guides the majority of people don't there are exceptions people don't sit down and read user guides for things so you know if you're really mad do you want someone being like really cutesy clippy there was a tweet the other day about like if if you're if you're if you're being cutesy in your in your instructions on how to resolve a problem you're being clippy and nobody likes clippy and i loved it because it was yeah
1: it's a really good comparison yeah, no, that's that's very true. Don't don't be clippy. Don't even like give hints of clippiness because no. Great. Right.
0: I see Terrible. that you're trying to
1: tell people how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. yeah
0: but what about what do you hm what are your suggestions
1: for writers in general? Well, There are different places where you can find writing exercises. Uh, A lot of times, if you look in any sort of creditable writing book, there will be some writing exercises. I personally don't think that all writing exercises are good ones, um, but I can't tell you what to do. (laughs) I will say that I have found some really great exercises in Ursula K. Le Guin's book, Steering the Craft. Um, There's a new edition because that that book has been around for a while, but there was a new edition that came out in 2015. And that one is the one that I read. And it's amazing. It's an amazing craft book. And it has some really, really wonderful writing exercises in it. And uh, I definitely suggest looking in there, um, reading her book and going through those exercises they're they're designed to either be done by yourself or with a group of peers. So that's uh, getting feedback on your writing exercises can can sometimes be really good. Another book that I feel every writer should read is Wonder Book by Jeff Vandermeer. It is a writing book. And it just goes through all the different aspects of writing. and there are, a ton of writing exercises sort of dotted throughout that book and to be found in the back. And I believe there are a few that are on the website for the Wonder Book. I don't know the URL of the website, but it's in the book. But you should read the book first at any rate. It's beautiful. If, yeah, it's it's such a great book. Um, if you are interested in writing the other, which you should be, um, in the book, Writing the Other by Nisi Shaw and Cynthia Ward, there are also some writing exercises, some of which we use in our class, some of which we don't. And um, you can go through those. And again, those are designed for you to do some of them on your own, but some of them work better if you're doing them with a partner or with a group. And and yeah, so those are like the main sources for a lot of the writing exercises that I've had my students do. Another one um, is called the picture game. And I don't know who invented this and probably no specific person invented it, but I remember doing the picture game with writing friends of mine um back in the day. Back in the day. <laughs> we were all on the online writing workshop together. Was it like live journal so we'll, <laughs> oh God. Before Live oh Journal. My gosh. Before live journal kids. I know there was something before Live Journal. I can't <laughs> even believe that I've been around that long. Um so but because I missed doing it, I actually started a Google Plus community because I I think that was like the easiest way that I could set up something where I like posted pictures of things that people could respond to because I didn't want to do a whole blog. Um, okay. so anyway, I, the link to this will be in the show notes, but the Google plus community is called the picture game. And basically it's just, it's a bunch of images that I found. And the way that you play the picture game is you pick a picture, you know, either go through the ones that are already up there or like go through that days if I've posted one that day, I used to post one every day. Oh the light You did. <laughs> um, Look at it for about thirty seconds. Set a timer for ten minutes, and then just write something that's inspired by that picture. And if you want to get real specific with it, and this is what I I have my students do. Um, I have some collections within there. There's like here's pictures of people, here's pictures of objects, um, and and I also have been doing a lot of putting up pictures of landscapes lately um trying to because it was a lot of people I realized and not a lot of like just spaces or landscapes or whatnot and you can do things like okay I decided that I want to work on my description so you find a picture of you know some castle or whatever just describe what's going on in that castle like don't necessarily make a story out of it just describe what what's going on describe it from the point of view of somebody who's in that scene describe from the point of view of somebody who's like looking at the picture you know whatever it is um if you want to work on your descriptions of people go through the people collection pick a person and then describe that person um And I have like a bunch of different writing exercises that utilize the picture game that I use in my classes um, where I'll like, you know, have them do some like go pick a picture, but do something specific with it. Like, you know, describe the person or make them be in a little play together or whatnot. Um, so you can do that too. Like you can just be really creative. Uh, in uh, either September or October last year on the picture game, I did something called Artist of the Month, where I had pictures up every day in that month from one artist. And her name is Chara Bautista. And she does, you've probably seen her her stuff, even if you don't know her name, um, because she does a lot of images of Uh, a wolf and a bunny. And the wolf is like the universe and bunny is the moon. And so she's done like over the years, so many really, really awesome images of wolf and bunny. And when I first started looking at those images, I was like, there's this, there's a story behind these. And so I chose some of the wolf and bunnies and I put them in a particular order in a, in an order that I thought told a story. And I was like, now you tell me the story of this, because I feel like everybody else's story is going to be different than the story that I see. Um, so nobody took me up on it, though, which made me really sad. But... Again, it's like it's just there for people like maybe you don't want to like do the whole like Wolf and Buddy story, but you want to pick one and you want to tell me the story of what's going on in that one picture. Or you just want to describe the people or the or the objects or the animals in that picture, whatever it is. So those are all the places where I have found that you can do really cool stuff with description and like, you know, trying to find places like doing things like the picture game where you can apply it to a lot of different things. So whatever your strengths are or whatever you feel like you want to work on, you can work on that and using that as a jumping point. Yeah.
0: Um, and some other things I would, I would also add to that are if your goal is just to sit down and start writing and you're, you're, you're just getting started and you want um, some handholding, you can also find like writing prompt books uh, so I was at Barnes and Noble a few days ago, and they had this whole end cap that, that it was just books uh notebooks where they'd started a prompt you know and it, it could be like a complete the sentence type thing or they could give you a description of a person you know what they were wearing or whatever and space to write and so that could be a way to get started is to get one of those books and to just write that one page of text because that's about all the room they gave you and that could be a contained way to, way to get to get going and there are also apps uh you might want to check out like the the google play store or uh the the ios app store and look around i know day one i believe is cross-platform so you can you know they have writing prompts the thing with day one is it's not end-to-end encrypted um so if you're worried about encryption on your stuff which i am just because things happen nowadays uh maybe not the app but there might be other like writing prompt prompt apps that you might want to look at. If you're just trying to get into like, I want to sit down for three minutes every day and write, that might be a way to do it. And you can apply this, I I don't have ideas for other industries for little bite sized things that you can do, but uh, you know, I'm gonna open it up. If if you have suggestions for the thing that you love to do, uh, tweet at us at originalityfm and let us know how you break break projects up and you get practice in on whatever it is that you like to do.
1: Yeah, I'm extremely interested in, in what folks do in disciplines where, again, maybe practice isn't overtly encouraged, mm-hmm. but but is still very useful. Because I I'm pretty sure, again, in listening to a lot of other podcasts where you know people are talking about grit and they're talking about like the the ten thousand hour rule, which is has been sort of debunked. Um, mm-hmm. Well, uh, but but basically, even without like the whole ten thousand hour thing, it's just you know, always just working at getting better at something through practice. So I, I I would be interested in like, what are the methods of practice for other disciplines?
0: I was trying to think of a way that we could set up a challenge where where people could like check in with each other to report that they've they've practiced a the thing, like they have a goal and yep, did my thing today. But I
1: can't think of a way to do that that's easy. Yeah, neither can I. Maybe on a future episode. Yeah. Could follow-up, and we'll have somebody else talking about practicing. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh,
0: so, Tempest, is there anything else you can think of that, that we haven't covered?
1: No, I cannot.
0: Just do it. Whether you think it's bad, whether you think it's good, do it, and you will get better.
1: Yes, I heartily agree. Well, that's it for this episode. Uh, thank you for joining us. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at OriginalityFM. You can follow Aline on Twitter at A-L-E-E-N. That's Aline because (laughs) that's her name. M-O-O-N. You can follow me on Twitter at Tiny Tempest. And, of course, you can always go to the URL of our Fancy Podcast and listen to all of our episodes. What is the URL of our Fancy Podcast, Aline? It is relay.fm slash originality. Sweet. So, yeah, tweet at us. Tell us about your practicing practices practical practicum (laughs) practicum, things. (laughs) (laughs) And, And tell us what you think of the show so far. Definitely leave us feedback. If you are listening to us through iTunes, then like click on those stars and tell us how you feel about us using those stars. We love stars, however many stars. And we will see you next week. Goodbye. We're going to come up with a real outro (laughs) any minute now, (laughs) any minute.
0: I love it.